welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast. It's your weekly drop back into Whatcom County prep football on the Doug Lang Network at onthedln.com. Now let's hit the huddle with your hosts, Doug Lang, Jeff Bearden, and Tyler Anderson. Welcome to it. It is episode three of the Cover 3 podcast. Yours truly, Doug Lang, with you, along with Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from WatcomPreps.com. And there's plenty of prep football to talk about. Glad to have you listening along, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, or at www.onthedln.com. And hopefully... Keep our fingers crossed. This is as nasally as I will sound as we get ready to jump back into the booth uh, coming up on Friday as we will have the Marysville Getchell at Ferndale matchup. Once again, Friday the 14th, beginning at 645 with a 7 o'clock kickoff. How about if we get things underway? Time for the Cover 3 podcast opening kickoff. Time indeed for us to open things up. We'll do so by looking back at week number two and some of the highlighted games that we saw or actually got a chance to call. And we'll start with the Ferndale-Linden rivalry that didn't turn out to be a very close ball game. 30-6 the final in this one, Tyler. And boy, the turnovers, very costly for the Ferndale Golden Eagles. Linden jumped out early and, and kind of were off to the races. Yeah, Linden looked really, really good. They looked great up up front. They looked great on defense. Um, DiLorenzo ran for 100 yards. You know, they they threw for about 120. You know, it was a it was a good you know balanced attack for Linden and Ferndale just couldn't catch up. Jeff, we had the Squalicum Arlington game on Friday that started out as a good competitive matchup, and in fact, Arlington with a 78-yard touchdown strike, a one-play drive at one point in that contest, we thought, uh-oh, this could be a long night for Squalicum. The Storm, they took control. It was all Storm in that second half, and they put a good beating on Arlington 42-21. They look awfully good 2-0 and so far this season. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with Squalicum uh, Friday night. They, you know, like you said, they got down early. Um, they didn't. They didn't look. They looked a little or, unorganized defensively the first couple series, but they buckled up really quick and they just dominated that game. I mean, they just defensively, offensively, they took control. And uh, their first two games this year, Squalicum looks really, really good. Mount Baker, Seahome, Saturday Affair, and at one point, 30 to nothing. Mount Baker. Once again, miscues by Seahome helping Mount Baker's cause, but boy, Mount Baker looked awfully good. Caleb Bass looked awfully good running things, and that and and probably what, what doesn't get noticed enough is the offensive line and the defensive line that made big plays, just whether it was in the push to open up uh, holes for Jason Lee or about the great play by Jay Allen uh, defensively on the strip to recover it and get the fumble recovery. I, the, the big guys for Mount Baker probably need to get more uh, credit for what eventually pays off for the, for the skill set guys. Well, yeah, the big guys at Mount Baker are going to be coached up right. Coach Lepper loves those those alignment, and he loves 
you know, taking running backs and making them linemen. Jay Allen's a former running back. He's a guy that is athletic enough to play running back. He, he looks like a high school tight end, but no, they put him at offensive tackle. He was subbed in to play middle linebacker on Saturday and made that play. Just a great all-around uh, player and a really good showing by the Mountaineers. Final highlighted game from week two. How about Lyndon Christian? They post another shutout. They win at 35 nothing over Anacortes. So they've beaten Bellingham and Anacortes, both 2A squads. Granted, squads that have a little bit of depth issues, just not the sheer numbers that they've had in previous years. But this LC squad looks very, very good out of the gate, both offensively and defensively. In fact, you've got some numbers defensively that this is as good as they could look in weeks one and two. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they've had some amazing defensive teams, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, and part of the early 90s as well. This is the first time in school history that they've started the season with two shutouts. And uh, they just look really, really good. And, you know, the, the junior quarterback, Trajan Scouten, looks great. And uh, I'm excited to see what they can do this year. Jeff, this team for Dan Kamick, and we'll talk a little bit more about their matchup with Blaine coming up, but it looks like a Dan Kamick team of old. This is his second run with the Lynx as their head coach, and it's really been a rebuilding process. When he came on board, the previous team had won one game his first year, two games last year, three games, and now they've already got two games in the win column. It looks like the team of old for the Lynx. Yeah, it really does. You go back and look. I mean, I went to high school, late 80s, early 90s, and, and Linden Christian was always one of those teams that you – you knew when you played them, you were in for a fight. Uh, they had some lean years there for a while, but they, I mean, yeah, Dan has done an amazing job getting this program back on track, and they look like a team to beat right now. Absolutely the case, and, and that's before they jump into that gauntlet that starts not this week, but next week with all of those great 1A schools, three of the four out of the Northwest Conference, all in the top ten in the Associated Press. You want more numbers? Of course you do. And that's where I turn to Jet. No, I'm going to turn to <laughs> Tyler. Tyler's compiled stats, stats, and more stats. In fact, uh, where's my sheet? Uh, let's see here. I think I have, what, four or five pages of stats here. Uh, but you've kind of pulled out some notable stats uh, involving Whatcom County teams. And what stands out to you when you've taken a look at the numbers through two weeks? Well, I kind of looked at all the different schools and see kind of what's happening numbers-wise. And um, you you brought up earlier that Lynn and Christian and Blaine are going to play each other this week. Both of them are starting quarterbacks. Uh, both both of them are starting quarterbacks for the first time this year. And um, Trajan Scouten for LC, William McKinney for Blaine. And between the two of them, they've thrown nine touchdowns and zero interceptions. So they're starting the season out wow. right. And, um, and they're both the top two in completion percentage, both over 65%. So, you know, a lot of good things between those two. Speaking of passing, uh, Mount Baker, you don't usually don't think of passing when you think Mount, Mount Baker, but uh, Caleb Bass is only 13 yards away from breaking John Rainey's career passing yard mark. And um, he's a third-year starter, obviously. The only other time Coach Lepra's had a third-year starter was when he had Andrew Zender. They got oh, yeah. all the way to the mm -hmm. state championship game. Andrew Zender's named All-State. I'm not saying that that's going to happen again, but hey. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, also on the Seahome side, Jacob Kaepernick is on pace for 215 completions and 2,300 passing yards. They would both shatter sophomore records for Whatcom County. Um, right now it's held by Casey Bellman, 169 completions, and uh, Tanner Meyer for 1,897 passing yards by a sophomore. Also, um, there are three players right now that are look like they're going to be on pace to rush 
and pass for 1,000 yards each in the same season. It's only happened four times in Whatcom County history. Of course, Jake Locker did it in 2005, Tyler Perry in 2009, Daniel Ziegler in 2013, and Jacob Hamas just a few years ago. Um, Austin O'Brien, Dawson Logan, and Spencer Lloyd are all just on a on a torrid pace to, you know, they're doing everything for their offense. They're, right. They're running the ball. They're throwing the ball. They're they're having great years, and combined, they have a five and one record. And last but not least, uh, Lyndon Stephen DiLorenzo leads the county with 325 rushing yards and an amazing 14.1 yards per carry. Wow. When camp began, he was the third string running back, and it just kind of shows you that if you work hard, you're going to get your opportunity. You just have to take advantage of it, and he's having a heck of a job or doing a heck of a job this year. We continue on with our opening kickoff as you're listening here to the Cover 3 podcast at www.onthedln.com, the Doug Lang Network. Well, there's a little matter of a celebration that will be going on Friday night at halftime of the Blaine hosting Linden Christian matchup. It'll be a 40th anniversary celebration of the 1978 state championship team quarterbacked by then senior Kurt Cramey. And... We talked a little bit about it last week, and and obviously a, a huge moment for the for the Border City, and, and obviously for that Blaine football program, and obviously a lot of people wanting to weigh in on all of this. Blaine coach Jay Dodd, he says everybody is very excited for the festivities tonight. It's a great night to get uh, you know these guys together, this team together, where they get to you know uh, uh, kind of celebrate their accomplishment from 40 years ago. Uh, see each other again, have a reason to come come back together again and see each other again and, and uh you know have tell those stories and have the camaraderie that that they that they have uh they're coming from all over the state and all over the country to to kind of see each other again and 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 celebrate uh, nineteen seventy eight and also too they're they're also coming to to honor their quarterback for Cramey. and uh, uh we're gonna retire his number also at halftime and and so no other border right will wear the number one. Uh, ever again so uh, you know just to have that um, you know ceremony for for also uh, the Cramey family and and uh, and all that with all those players um, it should be very exciting and it just should be a it just should be, should be a neat night to be a part of not only the game but then uh, also to, to just to be a part of of all that and all those great people um, and and you know what they accomplished when they were in high school and and just who they became as adults so um, we're really excited to to honor all those people. Tyler, this is a throwback team. This is, uh, you know, you're, first of all, you're playing for the state championship in the kingdom. How cool is that? We watched some of the old tape, and it just takes you back to yesteryear. But this is a team, if I look at the numbers, I believe Cramey had 48 passes during the year. I, I could be wrong on my numbers, but I think it's pretty darn close. And this was a team, I think, 2,300 combined rushing yards and 26 touchdowns amongst the top four rushers. This was a team that ran, ran, and ran some more. Yeah, uh, Coach Cramey, well, Kurt Cramey back then, yep. he did not attempt one pass in the state championship game. Wow. And uh, they ran the wishbone, and the four of them ran it well. You know, I, I mean, Coach told me a long time ago that he, you know, all four of those guys could run a 4.9 or a 4.840, which, you know, in the 70s was pretty good. Get them on turf, 
and they just they just they just ran the ball hard and they didn't have to throw you know they they played great defense ran the ball and uh, and Kirk Kramer was still named the all league first team quarterback with 48 pass attempts. Jeff, we've all seen the photo of Kurt on the bench holding up the the number one finger after the uh, state championship win. He looks, as a senior in high school, almost exactly like he looked as a coach forever at Linden. And you can just kind of tell, maybe that's pretty telling, that he was already thinking about being a coach even back then, and I can imagine winning that state championship only helped propel it. Oh, for sure. You know, he was, like you said, that picture, you know, I've looked at it a couple times this last week and i mean it could have been taken a year ago two years ago you know it just it looks just like them uh and yeah i mean everything i've read about that team is that kurt ran that offense he knew that offense so well that he knew where to go with it on every single play he could look at the defense and he knew which which option to go with uh you know, it looked like, you know, watching the old video footage, it was like watching the old Oklahoma Sooners football sure. in Nebraska yep. football. You know, it's that triple option. You don't know where the ball's going, slight a hand, and it it was amazing to watch the video. I mean, it was it brought back a lot of good memories. Linden head coach and longtime assistant to Kirk Cramey, Blake Van Dalen, says the Blaine State Championship influence could be felt in the Lions program how many times he would refer back to the things he learned that season as a senior and um, and the journey that their team went through. I think they lost their first two games. And, and so, believe it or not, he didn't live in the past, but he still had memories and he would use uh, things from that season uh, and, and connect to use it to connect with our kids um, almost on a yearly basis. And so, I'm glad they're doing that. It's a very appropriate honor and uh, very deserving. Now, Tyler, you're going to know this answer. Uh, what? Who was the last team to beat the 1978 state champion Blaine Borderites? Uh, that was Lyndon Christian, quarterbacked by a sophomore, Dan Kamick. Exactly. That's right. Dan Kamick, now the head coach for Lyndon Christian back then, quarterbacking that squad. They did win it 14-12. to Got a chance to talk to him about that. Well, I mean, we caught them. It's very interesting, Doug, because their last defeat was against us at their place in a game where about everything that could have went right right for the blue team did and about everything that could go wrong for Blaine did because they were far superior to us. And it's one of those things that I think probably was a springboard for them going forward because they were pretty much untouched after that. Um you know, Cramey at quarterback, but a number of other guys that, you know, as a more quarterback for Linden Christian were quite frightening as you walk up to and take the snap and more than happy to give it to someone else to get tackled by them. So they were phenomenal. Uh, they were a worthy state champion. And uh, on a fluke, somehow we were able to get them uh, my sophomore year. But uh, a lot of respect for that team and certainly for Coach Cramey. Now, they're all going to be celebrated at halftime of the Blaine LC game in the Border City, the 78 state championship team. Daryl Sharp was a team captain on that squad. He was played guard and linebacker. He scored the lone touchdown of his playing career in a pick six in that 20-7 state title game victory over Granger. I got a chance to talk to Daryl this week and started off by asking him what first comes to mind when he thinks back 40 years to that championship season. First thing I think about is the camaraderie that we had. 
um, and and that we all had heart. Every one of us on that team, including the JVs, the coaches, everybody had heart. And I, I firmly believe that's why we we won. I mean, you think look at the season that we went through. You know, we lost two games. We were one in one in. in or, let's see, we had one win, two losses right off the bat. Um, and to come back from that, it, it took a lot of heart, you know. So that's kind of what I look at. I, I, I really do um, think about how we got to, all of us got along great and loved playing the sport. And none of us were star athletes. We were just, I think we were all good kids. So you mentioned starting off the season one and two, I think it was Lyndon and Lyndon Christian that got you, and then after that week three loss, I'm told that you led kind of that team meeting of everybody kind of getting together and getting refocused. You guys ended up ripping off ten straight in the state championship, so something must have worked. What was that team meeting like? Well, I, I kind of remember some of it. I just know I went in there and wasn't very happy. You know, we, we actually really practiced hard. We played hard. Um, we gave it a, everybody on that team gave 100% and we were a running team we knew we didn't throw the ball you know and Kurt would be the first to admit that he didn't throw the ball and those two the, you know the two games that we lost one of them was just you know with Landon those two swift kicks that John Weeks had to kick up there and you know we didn't recover that and that was something that you know mistakes but Landon Christian when we started getting away from you know our wishbone offense, pound the ball, pound the ball, and those two interceptions, they cost us the game. So after that game, I walked in there and said, hey, you coaches lost this game. I said, we gave, gave our, our heart and soul in this game, we played hard, but we got away from what we what brought us here, and that was the running game. And I said, there's people here that are playing, or not playing in positions that they should be playing, there's people not getting the ball, they should be getting the ball. And basically I said, hey, you know, if you, I'm going to lay it all out. If you kick me off this team, I don't care. But this is the way I feel, and I think it's the way that our our other players feel. And, you know, and they listened. It was great. And then that Monday, we sat in that end zone for two hours after practice, and we just let it all out, you know. I mean, sometimes life's about being honest, you know, and, and telling even when you're in a 17, 18 feelings, and, and this is how we feel. We want to win. You know, we've, we've been a losing team for so long. We had people there. We really wanted to win. And I think that – I hope that's spirited, some spirit is to, uh, to continue on winning. You mentioned being a running team, the top four rushers, over 2,300 yards, 26 touchdowns. One of those running backs, your twin brother Dave, what's it like to be able to share in that with a family member? Well, it's pretty cool because Dave was always on my butt. You know, I was, you know, I'm the guy that always had to block. Always, but you look at some of the games like Langley, we ripped off one down the field, and he was right behind me, and that was one of the reasons why we ended up getting down that field. It was on a, you know, a trap block. So Dennis and I, you know, we were the guards, and we pulled every play. We were doing something, you know, and and we never stopped blocking. Back then, you know, we blocked till the whistle blew. We blocked at the line of scrimmage. We blocked downfield. I mean, you watch some of the old film, you'll see our line downfield blocking. Um, so it's pretty cool to be able to watch Dave, you know, my brother, uh, get touchdowns. I mean, I, especially at Eatonville when he got four, you know. Daryl Sharp talking with him, a captain of that 1978 
Blaine Borderite State Championships football squad. They ripped off 10 in a row, and then uh, including beating Langley, Eatonville, and then Granger in the state championship game in the kingdom. 20-7, to the final in that one. Daryl, what stands out? I, I imagine the pick six has to be one of the biggest highlights ever for you. Well, for me, it was, I mean, in reality, I think I should have had two touchdowns. I picked up fumble recovery. I should have looked at the film. I should have picked up and ran for a TD, but I always thought to jump on the ball. But the pick six was something that I just happened to be in the flat, you know, and, and it was right, you know, I had to go. It was in my hands pretty much. But, yeah, to, to actually score, for me to be able to score a touchdown, never score a touchdown in high school football because I was a linebacker and, and a lineman, to be able to score in the last game of my of my career in the kingdom was a pretty good uh, present for myself. I thought, yeah, couldn't, couldn't have been any better. Daryl, you, you guys get to celebrate 40 years of state championship. Do you stay in touch with many of the of your teammates still to this day, or will you be seeing a lot of them for the first time in a long time? There's going to be people that I haven't seen in a long time. You know, Kurt and I were really close friends. Um, you know, I always I, I saw him up until pretty much the week before he died. So we kept in close contact, and I see Jerry a lot. My brother, obviously, I see a lot. There's Mitch I haven't seen in a long time, but there's quite a few I haven't seen in a long time. But, you know, one thing about it, we're, we're so close, and I know when we get together, it's, it's going to be like we haven't missed anybody. But I just want to say one thing about that team. You know what really brought us, brought one that, that season with our defense? You think about uh, a team that only gives up four points per game. Wow. Because that was about the average, right? Out of out of the whole season, I think we gave up a little over four points per game. I don't really have ever heard of any team in, that I know of that had that that sort of a defense. So in reality, our defense is really what what saved us. Our, we were we were able to score you know enough on offense to win some games, but our defense never really gave up the big you know the plays. So that's what I think about the most is is that season with our defense was just phenomenal. Daryl, another big portion of the ceremony and, and honoring it will go on at halftime of Friday's game will be the retiring of uh, the number one jersey that Kurt wore as a senior in, in helping win that state championship. Obviously a Hall of Fame coach. I don't know if you guys knew that he would be a football coach later on in life, if you could already tell at that point in time, but what does it mean to you and, 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 that, and the Blaine community to to see Kurt honored here for, for his uh, exploits as a player? Well, I think Kurt, first of all, he was a great person, very level-headed. I think, uh, you know, when growing up with him you know, on the field, he was, he was a really good leader, you know, uh, got along with people well, he articulated well. He had a football mind. I mean, like I said, running the triple option wasn't easy, but he was really good at, at running the triple option. You know, his, his arm wasn't that great, but... I just, I really miss him. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I lost a best, one of my, first time I ever lost a best friend last year. It was, it was really, it was really hard to go through that. And I think he's well-deserving, especially, you know, what's ironic is, you know, we used to have a rivalry with Linden. And, you know, and a yeah. lot of our good friends now, I, my wife's from Linden. And they end up being a really good friends. But that, that rivalry we've had, which is very, you know, back in the day in Milwaukee County League, that was a, it was kind of a fun rivalry, but to have, you know, my uh, my teammate coaching Linden and winning seven state titles is a pretty big deal, you know. And um, 
it's a big deal for us. It really is. And I don't care who he, who he coached. You know, he came from Blaine. Um, he will always be a borderite. And I, I think he, does, he definitely deserves his, high, his number to be retired. Hey, Daryl, thanks for taking a little bit of time and chatting with me. Uh, best of luck and enjoying every moment that you can during uh, halftime. And uh, best of luck in, in getting back together with everybody that uh, is there from 40 years ago and, and celebrating a, a fantastic moment for all of you. Hey, thank you. Thank you for getting touch me, and go Borderites. Go Borderites. That is Daryl Sharp, team captain on that 1978 state championship team for the Blaine Borderites, first ever state championship for Whatcom County in football. And I think we have also set the record for the longest opening segment just three episodes into the Cover 3 podcast. How about that? We will take a break. When we come back, how about if we look ahead to your games of the week for week number three? Back with more right here on the Cover 3 podcast on the Doug Lang Network. The prep football season is underway, and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. It's Marysville Getchell at Ferndale, Friday, September 14th, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Follow the Doug Lang Network through social media. It's the Doug Lang Network on Facebook and on Twitter at OnTheDLN. Give us a like and a follow. You know we'd do the same for you. Welcome back to it. It is the Cover 3 Podcast. So glad to have you listening along, Doug Lang, with you from the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. Joined by Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from whatcompreps.com. And, of course, it is a busy week number three. Time for us to look ahead to the matchups. We begin... With the Mount Baker Mountaineers at 1-1, one one, playing host to Cascade at Leavenworth. They are a 2-0 squad that has already beaten Natchez Valley and Efreda so far. Mountaineers coach Ron Lepper, he thinks Cascade is the best team out of the Caribou Trail. He says they are a familiar-looking team. Kind of like Linden, uh, not as big up front. And not necessarily 6'3 or 6'4 out there, but they've got, you know, 5'11, five 5'9, foot five foot, you know, you know, the 6'0 kind of guys, 170, 75 pounds, 80 pounds, running around and, and, and making you have to stay home. And they've got some speed. So um, they want to bring some pressure to the front. They like to bring, you know, six, seven guys, you know, and push a couple guys off the edge. So uh, for us, it's going to be, hey, do your job. Make sure you have your head up and see who's coming and, and get into them. And it should be a really good football game. I like the way Mount Baker played against Seaholm. They were doing it through the pass. They were doing it on the ground. We already mentioned their their guys up front got a little nasty to them, and and I think they 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 have set themselves up well with these non-conference games. Yeah, you know, playing against three teams that throw the ball it sounds like sounds like Cascade likes to throw it. You know, they're you know once they play Meridian and Nooksack and Linden Christian, hey, they like to line up with three wide, four wide, and they throw it a lot too. 
Linden Christian, 2-0. They'll visit Blaine, also 2-0. It's the lone matchup of Whatcom County squads in week number three. LC has yet to give up a point so far this year, while the Borderites are coming off a last-second victory over Cedar Park Christian. Lynx coach Dan Kamick says so far they've been largely focused on stopping the run versus their first two opponents. As a general rule, that's what you're going to have to do here with Blaine also, but they've got enough athletes on the outside and a quarterback who can deliver the ball where they're going to they're going to get us in some situations where you know they have opportunities and we're going to see how our kids respond to that. Offensively, you know, I would expect them to uh, you know give us some different looks, possibly bring some pressure. Um, for the most part, we've been able to kind of uh, dictate a little bit, and I would imagine they'll try to do that to us. Blaine is a question mark team for me. They're 2-0, and but they beat Earl Marriott. They, they blanked him, put 65 points on the board, and then had to go late to beat Cedar Park Christian. I, I think even they they are not sure what they have, but given last year, two victories has got to really bolster you to get ready for a very good LC team. Yeah, I think that Blaine is, you know, they're definitely on the upswing. And with a young sophomore quarterback, they're kind of, you know, fine-tuning the offense. They, they run out of a lot of different formations, and, and they, they're, very, they're very balanced. Blaine Coach Jay Dodd says he is impressed with what he sees out of LC. Their defense flies the football, uh, and they've got a lot of good players on that side of the ball. And, and uh, you know, they're 2-0. They're, 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 they're playing really well. They're running the ball on offense. They're throwing the ball on offense. So, uh, it's hard to, to focus on one thing um, when it comes to run pass. you got to play them straight up and, and defend both at the same time because they can do both. Squalicum is 2-0, and oh, and they'll continue league play. They visit Marysville Pilchuck, who's 1-1 one one after getting shut out 28 nothing by Oak Harbor last week. Jeff, we already talked about the Storm and just how good they looked against Arlington. This is a team that, that seems to be getting better, obviously, a couple of games into it but off to a very good start here in league play. Yeah, they are off to a good start, and this is a big game for them. You know, this is their second league game, and if they can go 2-0 and at the start of league play, it gives them a little bit of confidence and an advantage over everybody else. Um, I, you know, and I think it's going to be a good gauge for them to see how they do against Marysville Pilchuck because they played uh, Oak Harbor last week, who some consider one of the best teams in the league. So this is a good indicator for Squalicum. Storm coach Nick Lucy says he expects to see a lot of different looks out of the Tomahawks on offense. Defensively, they remind him of an earlier opponent. They want to put eight guys up in the front and let the three safeties run downhill. So really important. I think they'll probably do some of the things that Redmond did that gave us some fits. So really important that we handle you know, them being active and linebacker pressure and whatnot. Uh, keep our eyes up and get body on body. I think good things will happen from there. Seaholm, 0-2, hitting the road to play Centralia. The Mariners still looking for their first win. Something's got to give. The Tigers have yet to win as well. Seaholm coach Kevin Beeson says they'll have their hands full with that Centralia offense. They throw a lot of looks at you offensively. They run uh, like four or five different concepts. They go from double wing to uh, true wing key to spread to single back ace to all the place. And, and uh, they, uh, you know, they, they got a few kids here and there, uh, but all those different looks just uh, present some challenges to try and match your personnel groups with what they're going to share in the field to put your best players in position to send that. Nooksack Valley, 
also 2-0 on the year. They're down in the North Seattle Shoreline area. They'll battle Kings. The Knights, normally a powerhouse squad, but they're winless after getting shut out by Lakeside 46-0 last week. I'm just used to Kings being good in almost every sport they, they field a team in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in basketball, they're always fantastic as well. Uh, looks like Valley is 4-2 and two against Kings all time, and the last time they, they played each other was in the 2009 playoffs. And uh, Nooksack was down 40-13 to 13 in the third quarter, and they came back and won that game 54-47. to 47. Pioneers coach Rob Meyer knows his team will have to get it done this week and the rest of the season without one of his top players and senior Baylor Galley went down with an ankle injury in game number one. To be a captain on our team, you have to be a kid that, number one, is going to be great in the classroom. Number two, is going to be a great uh, ambassador for our team and, and a great representation. A kid that can never be in trouble, a kid that can never have a worry about uh, needing to improve his grades and that's Baylor and so you take that leadership out he's still a big part of our team but but that hurts both on and off the field and so uh it means new kids are stepping in and hopefully we'll get better as a result of it but a uh, big big loss losing Baylor County. Bellingham Red Raiders they're back at Civic Stadium they'll take on Sammamish tonight. Bellingham expected to have their go-to player, Spencer Lee, back from a hamstring injury that kept him from playing the first two weeks. Red Raiders coach Ted Flint says the Thunderbirds, they're a lot like Bellingham's week two foe in Lakewood. They've got a, a really uh, athletic quarterback who's a second year starting, uh, so we've got to do a better job keeping him in the pocket than we did against Lakewood. Um, and they've got a couple fast guys, so it's a similar team to what we just saw. You know, so we're, we're just focusing on ourselves, though, making sure we're getting we're getting ourselves better. Jeff, getting Spencer Lee back is huge for Bellingham. So much of their offense is built around getting this running back slash wide receiver, just a guy who needs to have the ball in his hands. Uh, what a difference it'll make to have him back out on the field. Yeah, he's definitely the engine that makes that that offense go, and and defensively, and so it's going to be huge. I mean, it'll be. You know, we noticed it last week, him not being able to play. It made a huge difference. And so hopefully he he gets back and he's healthy and can help the team out. A 2-0 Linden squad will look to stay undefeated when they play host to Lord Tweedsmere out of British Columbia. Lions coach Blake Van Dalen, he gave us a scouting report on Lord Tweedsmere. I know that uh, up in BC they have the JV championships, and they won it all last year as a JV team. And and uh, beat Lakewood last year, and a lot of those guys are returning on the team. So we expect a solid uh, group of kids out there, um, and it'll be a good challenge for our kids. It'll be different than the first two weeks where we were playing wing keys. This is going to be a spread team that likes to throw the ball around. Now, Tyler, I, I never know what to expect out of the teams that come across the border to play in that you usually get big offensive linemen, but maybe not as good at the skill set. It's kind of a question mark as the teams go international. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I had an inside source about Lord Tweedsmere, yep. um, and I had heard that you know that their quarterback and their and their best defensive linemen were they were injured to start the year and they were out for the year. And even at the 
coming down to play Burlington last week, they had two players held up at the border, and they still shut Burlington out. Wow. So this is a this is a good team, and uh, the only time I know of them playing a Whatcom County team is when they beat Blaine 35-34 a few years ago. Meridian at 1-1. One and one. They'll also go international Friday night when they play host to Mission BC. Trojans head man Bob Ames says Mission is coming off a loss, but still looks very tough. Uh, this one is, is big and physical. Uh, it was their first game, so they made a plethora of mistakes, but we know what the learning curve is from game one to game two. Uh, big and physical, they'll get up, they'll get in the, in the double wing and it looks like about a 230-pound pullback that they want to run at you, and it can't be very daunting. And finally, Lummi Nation won't be under the Friday night lights. The Blackhawks were supposed to play Muckleshoot, but they forfeited. The replacement team in Seattle Lutheran also had to cancel. Lummy coach Jim Sandusky says it's tough to not be able to play a game, but they're using this week to work on plenty of things. We're still trying to fit guys into play, so we're doing a lot of competition-type drills, and, and uh, we're still trying to figure out who our starting line is offensively and defensively. We rotated quite a bit the first two games, um, and there's only a couple positions where somebody kind of got a, has, a, has a position locked up. So that being said, we work on... Uh, a lot of fundamentals, just the, the basic mistakes that we were making in these, those first two games and make sure that uh, we use this time wisely and, and correct those so that they don't happen again. There you have it. That's what's going down in week number three for the Whatcom County prep football teams. Oh, yeah, there is our featured game, Marysville Getchell at Ferndale. That is coming up next as we step aside. We'll come back with more. Your job is to keep listening along on the Cover 3 Podcast. Hi, I'm Doug Lang. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Doug Lang Network. We're happy to present this audio stream and hope you enjoy it. If you're looking for great local sports content like scores, news stories, photos, interviews, blogs, videos, and more, then check us out online at www.onthedln.com. It's the online home of the Doug Lang Network, complete with social media links to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Local voice, local teams, local roots. The Doug Lang Network, online at onthedln.com. For interviews, blogs, photo galleries, sports news stories, and more, check out www.onthedln.com, the online home of the Doug Lang Network. Welcome back to it. It is the Cover 3 Podcast. Doug, Jeff, and Tyler with you. It is all part of the Doug Lang Network, which you can follow along at www.onthedln.com. You can also listen to the Cover 3 podcast through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. Please, please do so. You know what it's time for, don't you? The Doug Lang Network Game of the Week. Friday, September 14th. It's Marysville Getchell at Ferndale at www.onthedln.com. Breakdown. That's right. We stick with Wesco 3A North play. It is Ferndale at 0-2 looking for their first victory of the year. They haven't played any league games, so they're still okay in that scenario. And Marysville Getchell at 1-1 on the year. Golden Eagles coming off of the aforementioned 30-6 loss to rival Linden last week. On the other side of things, Marysville uh, uh, Getchell, Marysville uh, 
Jeez. Marysville Getchell, got to get that right. Shut out Stanwood. 16-0 last week. It snapped a 13-game conference losing streak, and they've got to be fired up because obviously this is new territory for them. But I think in some respects, Ferndale is hoping that they can rebound. Uh, Marysville Getchell is saying, hey, maybe we're catching Ferndale at just the right time. Yeah, I mean, they you know they both have to be looking at this as you know a big game to win obviously and um you know ferndale has gotten them pretty you know ugly games the last couple weeks or last couple years and um and this and and getchell looks to be much improved and this is their chance to get ferndale back yeah you mentioned last year how about 63 to 7 ferndale the winner uh speaking of ferndale and their head coach jamie plankovich he says they have to fix the assignment mistakes and technique issues that plagued them versus Linden. We had breakdowns on a lot of plays between, you know, whether it's one player or three players, or and those things then uh, don't allow you to get any momentum. So um, we still have a lot of things to address, and uh, and that's you know we're working on getting better. We're still uh, zero zero in the league and. The great thing about athletics is you have another opportunity this Friday night to show where we've come from week two to week three. Jeff, that is the big thing in this, is that 0-2, and, and if you're in Whatcom County, you're saying, oh, no, and what's a Ferndale? And a, well, yeah, you took on the 4A, or, yeah, the 4A West Coast champion from last year in Lake Stevens. You took on an improved Linden squad that brought almost everybody back from last year in a great rivalry matchup, and you, you lost those two games. But you're zip and zip within conference, so things can still be a positive for you oh yeah you know nothing's been determined you know for playoffs or anything like that yet i mean you've played two non-conference games yeah they didn't go the way you wanted them to but you know hopefully they've learned from from these two games and they can take what they've learned into conference play now and be successful Plankovich did say they are focusing on some of those positives despite the record. Well, I think Gator Fox has played really well on offense. Um, you know, you saw a physical running style that we're looking for last last Friday night against Linden in, in a few bright spots. Um, I think uh, we show glimpses of playing good defense where we really have 11 guys uh, working through the football and, and doing those things. He mentioned Gator Fox, 14 carries, 84 yards. He's been the most consistent offensive weapon. They've just got to get some other guys involved. Yeah, it looks like they've settled on Sequoia Julius at quarterback, which which puts Brian Eby at the halfback spot. you got Gator Fox at the fullback. Jacob Rossell is another running back who you know, I predicted was going to have a huge year this year. So they have the weapons. You know, brosell has got the speed to get outside. Fox pounds it up the middle, and Eby can kind of slash around and go those off-tackle plays. They do have the weapons. You mentioned quarterback, and that's kind of where you've got to start when you're talking about Marysville Getchell. The Chargers are led by quarterback Caleb Colmer. He went 17 of 30, 243 yards, two touchdowns versus Stanwood. Oh, by the way, also 100 yards on the ground. He's that dual-threat quarterback, the run-pass option that every defensive coordinator and coach loves to hate yeah that's you know we and we've seen the dual threat quarterback ourselves in the games we've done so far this year and they can cause all kinds of problems you know you have to prepare for the pass you got to prepare for the run and that's just out of the quarterback here is what coach Blankovich had to say about stopping the dual threat of Colmer he's a big physical kid uh, who uh, throws it really well has a real strong arm 
and then is, has that ability for them to spread you out and get less guys in the box and then he's a downhill runner when he runs the football so um, a little bit you got to pick your poison yeah good luck at picking the right one in that situation and then when you look at it defensively look it was a shutout last week against Stanwood 16 nothing the final turned in by Marysville Getchell so the offensive line for Ferndale they're going to be tested according to the coach Jamie Plankovich they just do a lot of different things they give you a lot of different looks so um, from play to play, it could be significantly different in the look they're giving you up front, which affects how you're going to block uh, things. So we've got to do a good job of understanding our assignments and, and uh, making sure we can adjust to the different things they're doing on defense. Now, maybe it's just me, but I'm really going to be taking an eye on that offensive line and what they're able to do and maybe that was because uh, one of the practices I was at they spent so much time on the blocking sled and that was just what the focus was all about but that seems to be a big key is that they've got to open up some holes get a little deeper into that second line get into those linebackers and and open up some things here so that they can do what we're used to seeing out of Ferndale it's a cliche but running downhill and we haven't seen that so much here through two weeks. Yeah, I mean, they have the guys. You know, Darius Washington is a huge offensive lineman, about 285 pounds. You know, Brett Westford is, is, is a, is a good-sized guy. He played some center last week. He kind of moved from tackle or guard. And, of course, you can't miss number 66, Garen Hatchet no. out there. So they have they have the guys, and they have the size to do it. They just have to be all, all, all on the same page, which is huge for an offensive line, and then just run behind that offensive line like Ferndale always has. And, and, do. and at the end of the day, it's a matter of pride. There you go. And we'll be out there to take it all in. And hopefully we'll have you listening along. Marysville Getchell at Ferndale. 645 with the pregame. 7 o'clock the kickoff. All of it right here on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. Just about time for us to wrap it all up. We'll do so with some picks on the college games and little Seahawks action as well. Back with more on the Cover 3 podcast. The prep football season is underway and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. It's Marysville Getchell at Ferndale, Friday, September 14th, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Follow the Doug Lang Network through social media. It's the Doug Lang Network on Facebook and on Twitter at OnTheDLN. Give us a like and a follow. You know we'd do the same for you. That's the Cover 3 Podcast 2-Minute Warning here on the Doug Lang Network. That's right. It's time to put a wrap on the Cover 3 Podcast, but we'll do so as we do each and every week, taking a look at what's going on with the Dogs, the Cougs, and the Seahawks, and pick those games. We'll start with the Huskies at Utah. Jeff, what do you got going on here? Uh, this could be a tough game for the Huskies. I mean, that, the crowd in Utah is right on top here, but uh, I still think the Dogs pull it out 31-21. Tyler? Yeah, I'm going to go UW here. Uh, 
I think about a 14-point game, probably like a 27-13. Dogs win it by seven in Utah. Good matchup. Expect a lot of fireworks. Eastern at Washington State University. Eags or Cougs? Who are you going, Jeff? Well, I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being like a 49-42 type ball game. I, I'm going to go off the reservation here and go with the uh, Eagles. Wow. Tyler? I'm also going to pick Eastern. Uh, Whatcom County ties Spencer Blackburn and Matt Meyer, you know, on, on Eastern up front. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles over the Cougars as well. Everybody knew you were going that direction. I will go Wazoo wins it. Uh, two nothing. Your final two nothing <laughs> on a safety. And finally, your Monday night matchup quickly: Seahawks at Bears. Uh, I think the Bears are probably going to pull it off. Bears. Yeah, Coach Dicka, go Bears! Wow, well, going old school. Uh, ooh, clean sweep. Bears, Bears make the Seahawks zero and two on the year. That'll do it for the Cover Three podcast for week number three. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll see you. Ferndale hosting Marysville Getchell Friday the 14th beginning at 645 on the Doug Lang Network. Thanks for listening to the Cover 3 podcast. Download and listen each week on iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, and online at OnTheDLN.com. Whatcom County Prep football fans, we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network.